Kentucky. How are you doing tonight? And welcome to Kernels of Truth, brought to you by Progress Kentucky. I am Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm filling in tonight for Aaron Viles. So uh, we got a really big show this week. Thanks so much for joining us. This week, we are excited to be bringing you the news of the week. And we're going to be turning to an important report from the League of Women Voters of Kentucky, examining the need for greater transparency from Frankfurt. It's not just the sewage bill that stinks, you know? So um, that's going to be exciting, okay? And But first, before we even get into all of this great stuff that's going to be going on, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? I know you are. We can do it. We have a governor that lets us know that we can make this happen. We're still riding high from the re-election win from our governor, Andy Bashir, but we cannot lose sight of the fact that he was the only Democrat to win statewide in November. And we've sent Andy back to the governor's mansion in Frankfurt, yes, to be confronted uh, and confounded ooh, by the GOP super duper majority in the legislature. As characterized by filthy villain Damon Thayer, who immediately admitted to the GOP majority that was too hurt to work with the governor in the next session and had no incentive to do so. So that's all in what they say. You know, that's what I heard, but you didn't hear it from me, okay? There's still lots of work to do in our state to win better electoral outcomes for our Commonwealth. We, in our efforts to do just that, make a contribution right now via our source online website, Act Blue, to help turn Kentucky purple. $5.25.50, you know, 5000 It doesn't matter. It's all welcomed, and every penny adds up. So it's on the screen, and it will be in the comments where you can always always support us in these endeavors so now it's time to check in on our co-host tonight let us all know who and where you are and what does your protest sign say today oh and you there on the internet yes i mean you too i want to read what your sign says tonight put it in the chat while we are sharing ours so i will go First, and I am Kimberly Cecil Jones. I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, from Jefferson County, the largest county in the state of Kentucky. Proud that we always deliver in Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, providing that uh, I need to have a protest sign today, can it be a little personal today? Like, Kimberly, get your stuff together so we can win. That's why you all don't see me on the screen tonight. Because if you saw me doing my cleanup and clean out, give away and throw away, you would swear up and down I was a hoarder. So, anyway, how about Doug? What is going on with your sign tonight? Uh, yes. Hello, everybody. You know, Nate, I don't suppose you got a screenshot from uh, Kimberly's situation a little, little earlier, did you? Probably oh, Dougie, fresh. No, you are not going to do it. And I got a bonnet on my head. Okay. <laughs> um, my name is Doug Price. I'm coming to you from Harrison <laughs> County, Kentucky. And my, I don't have a protest sign, but I am wearing a sign that I think uh, a lot of people believe in. And if you don't believe in it and have the opportunity, I'm just going to stand up, be a blood donor. Willie, how about you? I like uh, that it's not just a blood donor shirt, but it's also elf themed. Uh, <laughs> it's a Christmas themed. I don't know if I can be seen right now. I don't know, but I'll talk either way. Um, I'm Willie Carver coming at you from uh, Mount Sterling, Kentucky, which according to some uh, brochures that uh, the Bashir administration is putting out for tourism is evidently in Appalachia. Uh, I've got some gatekeeping friends uh, who are very upset about that because they feel that we might as well be in Louisville uh, <laughs> if, we're, if we're not hugging Pike County. 
Um, my uh, sign is winter is coming. Um, I think we've all got a theme here and that's getting ready for stuff. And we've got a particularly long um, session ahead of us. Starts January the 2nd. Uh, and in all seriousness, I'm pretty much getting myself ready emotionally uh, for this session uh, because I have such fear about what it might bring. Uh, and I've got to be ready for that. Okay, and I see that your handle on our private <laughs> chat today is Colonel Willie. Okay, the I, Honorable Colonel. I, I thought I put it in there. I figure I might as well. I don't get to use it all the time. Okay, <laughs> so like ladies and gentlemen, you know that we are all colonels, Kentucky colonels, and we tell the mm -hmm. truth about Kentucky politics, okay? We tell the truth. And if you get that license plate, Willie, I'm going to be done with you. I'm <laughs> going to be done it? with you. If you, you get the... It? I was thinking about it, but I was like, nah. <laughs> no. You know I like to showboat, but not that much, okay? <laughs> so Feature of the year, Colonel Gay Appalachian. And number one bestseller I heard on Amazon and many other places for the book of poems that you have had published. And what is the name of that? And you owe me one and it's supposed to be signed. Uh, I think next Tuesday is a perfect time. As a matter of fact, I just bought a copy because uh, Walmart had it on a Black Friday sale, which is just so crazy that I had to had to do it. Um, and I bought one. <laughs> but make sure to bring one for the governor and make sure you bring one for our lieutenant governor uh, for the governor's inaugural ball on Tuesday. Will night. do. It's called uh, Gay yes. Homes for Red States. And that's right. I'm, a, I'm afraid that uh, Andy's wife uh, might try to keep him away from me. I'm clearly irresistible and I tweet about him a lot. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's all come back to the light. Let's all come back to the light of realism. I know sometimes some people can be a little delusional, but anyway, let's go ahead. I want to talk about some of the news of the week, but before I do that, our very own producer and co-host and musical uh director for Colonels of Truth, Mr. Nate Orshan. I like to call him Nate Dog. And he has given 112 <laughs> pints of blood. Ooh. That is amazing. Amazing. I can't say I've done that. I've had blood before, but I can't say that I've given as much. He's making me feel bad. I think I'll go tomorrow. I wasn't allowed to before this year. Gay men weren't allowed to until May of this year. So uh, I'm How would they the know if you were gay or not? Did you go in there and say, look, I'm gay? And they were well, like, no. They, they asked you just go in there and to give some blood. They ask you some intimate questions, and I cannot lie. <laughs> okay, George Washington. Okay, I cannot tell a lie. Okay, so let's get to the news really quick because I am I am very excited. We got a lot of news to do tonight, but I'm really excited about our guest and to see what was going on with that report that they did. So, news of the week, everybody. More a state house to metro council moves are happening. Ladies and gentlemen, they're falling off like flies, okay? This time on the other side of the aisle. Yeah. Last week we talked about Josie Raymond leaving the legislature for the Louisville Metro Council. Now we are learning that former GOP House Majority Whip and Chair of the Elections Committee, Kevin Bratcher, will also be running for a Louisville Metro Council seat, and he will be giving up his seat in Frankfurt. So we wonder, will this open up a possible pick for us as Democrats? Uh, the 29th District is in Louisville, of course, and it is the Commonwealth's biggest blue dot. Yes, we are. You know, just some bragging rights, okay? Uh, maybe we didn't win that U of K, U of L game, but, you know, at the end of the day, we still got it going on right here in Louisville. So also looking at Andy Bashir's results from the election, he won a full 50% of the state house seats. And tw the 29th is one of those. 
I think, don't quote me on that. If somebody knows the true answer, let me know. But while those results certainly aren't predictive of 2024's results, the the electorate and issues will be much different. But it certainly expands the conversation about what's possible and what could be at play with strong, committed candidates. Now, Robert Kahn put together some maps in the wake of Andy's victory. So we could take a look at that. And also we have maps that show that Andy Bashir won half of the state house. And what does that mean? It just definitely means that there's hope for the state of Kentucky because there had to be a lot of Republicans as well that voted for Andy. Okay, so he was able to just be the governor of the people instead of a partisan governor, so to speak. So I feel basically that this is letting us know something. And also there was a study, uh, can't remember it, I'll talk about it next week or something if I remember the name, but it's these... uh, experts in predicting you know political trends and things of this nature and they say that what our governor is what party our governor is is normally the party of which the president will be so let's just hope andy winning will make sure that next year joe biden is still our president and um you got something to say, Doug? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me ask you this: You say the uh, the twenty ninth district. You thought that it would went uh, Democratic. I have the the figure here. I think, and yes, Thank it did. You. It did by a pretty good margin. Uh, another thing that I think is interesting: uh, former state representative Mary Lou Marzian, she's coming back. She left the House in 2022, but she's going to run again after learning that Representative Josie Raymond is not going to run for the office. Uh, Representative Marzin was was and will be again in the future a firebrand. She often chastised her male counterparts for wanting to control women's bodies. So uh, I think there are probably some Republican male legislators who are like uh not very happy these days you know what um mary lou is right here in jefferson county and actually i went to the presser uh when mary lou made the announcement that she was not going to run again at that time because she would have had to go against josie because of the redistricting Okay, so of course, Mary Lou wasn't ready to leave, but she did what she thought was best to keep Josie in there. So it would be only right that Mary Lou would come on back. And plus, she was a winner of the um, Crimmins Award at the Wendell Ford Dinner as well, which is really uh, the Democratic Lifetime Achievement Award. So she did receive that uh, back in June. So, Doug, you got some information that is, um, I don't know, should I be glad or sad? Uh, you're talking about the charter school? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I think you probably should be sad. But let me get into some of the details. Uh, the public charter school effort has again reared its ugly head, this time in Madison County. The effort started with the passage of House Bill 9 in the 2022 legislative session. That bill set forth requirements for a charter school, a public charter school, to be able to receive public funding. The charter school would be privately funded, but would be able to receive public funding for at least operational expenses. And of course, if public charter schools receive uh, public funding, then those funds are taken away from other schools. The key word is public, as our state constitution clearly states the following in section 183, General Assembly to provide for school system. The General Assembly shall, by appropriate legislation, 
provide for an efficient system of common schools throughout the state. And in section 189, school money not to be used for church, sectarian, or denominational school. No portion of any fund or tax now existing or that may hereafter be raised or levied for educational purposes shall be apportioned to or used by or in aid of any church, sectarian, or denominational school. So in effect, this effort is to allow for-profit public schools to operate in Kentucky. In this case, the proposed charter uh, public charter school would be located in Richmond and would have to be approved by the local board, which is the Madison County Board of Education. And then if they approve it, it would go up to the uh, Kentucky Department of Education. This newest effort is by the La Fontaine Preparatory School, which was started by Gus and Kristen LaFontaine in 2011. Earlier efforts to uh, do a public charter school in Northern Kentucky failed. I looked at the fees for the LaFontaine uh, Preparatory School, and for one child, the fees are approximately 7,000 a year, and there is an additional service uh, school aftercare covering a three-hour period after school. And that is available to any student in Madison County. It's a nominal fee for students at LaFontaine, but it's almost $3,300 for others. <clears throat> if this new public school receives public school dollars, then will the cost to attend go away? Will taxpayers have to foot additional costs for new buildings, et cetera? Will these new schools demand more money in order to provide athletic facilities and other improvements that are currently offered by common schools? We truly are an unchartered territory. So where do we go from here? Madison County school officials say the board will continue to review the application and will soon give feedback on it. And they will have a special meeting of the board during the week of last week of December to make their ruling. And they say this was the last public meeting on the subject until then. And the date and time has not been set. Aside from this effort, I'm 100% certain that the right-wing, church-going, Bible-thumping, God-fearing Christian legislators of the Republican Party of Kentucky are going to attempt to pass legislation aimed at passing a constitutional amendment that would allow public funding for church schools. Uh, that's my report on that story. Does anybody have a comment on that? One, you are 100% correct. The reason they have been unable to really do this in any serious way is because of our constitutional um, <clears throat> layout, which is over 100 years old. Uh, it was in the 1800s that we provided that we can't use these funds for religious schools. I think what's really frustrating about the way this works and that a lot of people don't think about are one, <clears throat> when you look at most counties, rural counties, the largest employers uh, are largest single provider employer are school districts. Um, this will obliterate um, teachers unions. This will obliterate um, good pay. And so when you think about having a sizable middle class income in your county, it can go away. Another really frustrating part of this is that these charter schools can be for profit, by the way, um, that legislation was written. So you can have large organizations working outside of the state, especially if we go um, towards a religious model where they're selling curriculum, selling everything, taking profit. If you're in Montgomery County now and you're paying money to our school district, that money is mainly staying in Montgomery County. We're talking about actually taking taxpayer money and just giving some organization far away, um, far away from Montgomery County, for example, uh, the profits uh, that are actually just our own tax dollars. And the last thing that's really frustrating is that people are going to start comparing charter schools to public schools when you can't really do that. Uh, the, the, the way that the legislation is written, charter schools will be allowed to use resources that the public schools have. So even though they don't have a gym or they don't have a library or they don't have, uh, I don't know, equipment, 
the kids in these charter schools will be allowed to come into the public schools and use them. So the charter schools can run much more efficiently on paper because they're actually using up public school resources. Add to that the fact that when you pull kids out of public schools and pull the money out of public schools, the charter schools don't have to maintain IEPs. The charter schools don't have to maintain the same sort of rules that allow them to accept every student. So the quality necessarily goes down in public schools. And then it looks as if charter schools are better. But the moment you get rid of the public school, then the charter school has to become exactly what the public school used to be, except now it's going to be some sort of indoctrinatory model. It's dangerous for Kentuckians. And I think you're right. They're going to try this amendment and they'll probably pass this amendment. Well, um, I have uh, one thing that I would like to say about that. I agree with both of you all and uh, the stats, the data proves that this is not a good move for Kentucky. Um, we need to be pouring as much money as we possibly can into the public school arena. Um, it is almost blasphemous to leave public school behind. It really, really is. And when you were talking, um, Doug, about the Bible thumping, you know, religious, whatever, whatever. Well, there was something in the Bible called the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And you know what? They had a religious spirit, which is not of God. Okay. And that's what we have in Frankfurt right now. And uh, let me segue just very quickly to also let you all know that uh, there's another one on the list that's dropping uh, from Frankfurt, and that would be Senator, uh, State Senator Denise Harper Angel. She is and has been representing the 35th district right here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, ever since 2005. So that's going to be a heartbreak, uh, for her to retire at this particular point in time. So, uh, Dougie, Fresh, I like you to find out why is everybody dropping like, oh my God. You know, I don't know, but my opinion is that Republicans, not only Democrats, but also Republicans, are tired of some of the things that are going on that our uh, guest are gonna, is going, going to talk about. It's a perfect segue to the next story, too. <laughs> Have at it. <laughs> transparency in the GOP. I know if you hear Republican and transparency, you probably think it has something to do with trans parents and they're trying to harm them or something, because I don't know any other transparency that we might even associate with Republicanism. But um, <clears throat> it turns out Republicans, even ones that I dislike immensely are doing some stuff I like. Uh, so there's a coalition of Republican lawmakers. They call themselves the Liberty Wing because of course they do. <laughs> this is uh, Savannah Maddox, Steve Doan, Josh Calloway, Mr. LGBTQ people are a cancer himself, uh, Felicia Rayburn, Proctor Rowling's Tayton, uh, Masseroni. <clears throat> so they have written a letter um, to the House basically proposing that we have greater transparency in the legislative process, which is a good thing, and that um, each legislator who is uh, writing a bill actually have the ability to have their bill heard. Um, and so here are some proposed changes that they would like to see um, specifically. So one, they think that every single legislator should get to have a priority bill and that that bill has to be heard um, and that they have five days uh, for before it would go to a committee for a vote. Um, so actually, you're going to hear me and you're going to give yourself time to think about what I just said, uh, that if 25 or more House members sign a petition to hear a bill, it has to come to the floor for a vote, um, <clears throat> that we cannot remove people from a committee without lots more action uh to determine whether or not they should be removed. Um, that committee chairs and vice chairs have to be selected by the committee members themselves. Um, some other stuff that really deals with how the committees are set up, that any bill listed in the orders of the day can be called by the sponsor for a four vote the next legislative day, 
that the um, committee on committee must refer all bills to a committee within five days and no bill amended or substituted in committee can be placed in the orders of the day until House members have had access to it for three legislative days. Okay, as someone who went through the emotional um, day of watching Senate Bill 150 get passed by both chambers, wherein we had, I think, an hour and a half to read it. I'm a very fast reader. I was sitting with my friend Rochelle. We were reading it as fast as we could, and they voted on it by the time we even had a chance to finish it. No one had time to read that, and it was done at the 11th hour, if you all remember. Um, <clears throat> remembering that, I like this idea. Um, and it turns out that it has a lot to do with what's happening in the Republican Party. Um, so effectively, uh, last uh, legislative session, um, House Speaker Osborne ruled that Josh Calloway's proposed amendment wasn't relevant. And um, what is her name? Uh, Rayburn appealed it. So she says that she thinks it's retaliation, that because she appealed uh, the House Speaker, she says uh, a supermajority means nothing in this body because it's all about power and it will continue to be that way until we get members of leadership out of here. Uh, Thomas Massey tweeted uh, that very week, punishing dissension is short-sighted and in doing so in the last hours of the session has an air of pettiness that voters test. Um, Doan says that this demands compliance and loyalty within the party. Um, Rayburn says uh, the elected officials are the voice for their constituents, uh, the 4.5 million people of Kentucky. And sometimes we see a lot of lobbyist agendas being pushed rather than the voice of the people. And I think that changing these rules is a good step to ensuring that the constituent voices are heard. Lastly, <clears throat> so this letter just arrived this week. The House Democrat uh, leadership actually uh, commented and said that they support any effort that gives the public more time to review legislation while giving a greater voice to those who are often silenced. So there's a couple of things uh, that we can take away from this. Willie Carver just said that Josh Calloway uh, is doing something right. Um, but two, this is good for the people of Kentucky and that we actually see Republicans and Democrats coming together to agree that they want voters to be heard. And I know <laughs> that they want voters to be heard. Um, and that they want constituents to feel that their government is real. Uh, I think something else that we can kind of see here is the cracks in the Republican Party. I think it is obvious that it is a party of fear. Uh, we have one, two, three, four, four representatives who are all saying that they were afraid to speak. This is kind of ridiculous in 2023. And they had a supermajority and people are afraid to speak. Um, but that also might give us some hope. I think sometimes I, for example, look at that given party and make an assessment of what everyone in that party must think based purely upon what I see them doing, right? If I see you stabbing someone, I assume you're a stabber. Um, but in this case, I think perhaps if we can move past the fear and create some new rules, we might see more variety in the Republican Party, and that might actually give us a different kind of purple from the one we think about. Thoughts on that? Hopes, fears, beliefs, problems, complaints should be filed tonight. Willie, that was deep. That was deep. Very deep and, and well done. Well done. Thank you. Um, the only question is, what are we going to do? What can we do? Uh, from my perspective, I think we can definitely, and this is a good thing, whether our um, whether we're in a place where our senator or our representative is a Democrat or Republican, writing to them, voicing um, like for these sorts of things, saying, yes, we want this. Uh, I would love, as much as I think Josh Calloway is a worm, um, I would love to see a world where he does something productive. My goal is not to hate him. My goal is to dislike the things he does because I don't like the things he does. So if he does something great, that's good. Um, so yeah, reach out, tell your uh, representatives that you want this sort of transparency, tell your Democrats that it is not a sign of weakness to reach across the aisle and that we should be doing this and tell your Republicans not to be afraid uh, and to stand with these eight people who are choosing to do something uh, actually helpful. Let's just hope the other 72 get on board. But, you know, I think the time has come that no matter what party someone is affiliated with, it 
it has to be that they're doing something for the constituency. We send them there, whether they be Republican or Democrat, we send them there to do a job. And one thing that I can say about our U.S. Congressman Morgan McGarvey is that he basically told this young girl that he was not the boss, that he worked for her. That's the truth. He works for us. And no matter what party you are, you need to be working for us. So I'm all about getting rid of the trash, okay? And uh, if you all didn't read Joe Girth's um, article, I was very, very uh, taken aback and very hurt. Um, He had an article called The Leftover Turkey. The Leftover Turkeys. It was in the Courier Journal. And, you know, he put Colonel Pam in that. And I was okay with everything else except for when he put Colonel Colonel Pam in that, uh, that she was uh, one of the leftover turkeys. But besides Colonel Pam, anyone else, if you a turkey, you need to go. <laughs> Period. Okay, so now we're going to move on over here. This is what I've been waiting for. I love you guys, but I think I love this information coming up even more. Okay, so uh, one of our favorite and fiercely nonpartisan politically engaged nonprofit groups is the League of Women Voters. Uh, We've had them on in the past to discuss redistricting and the fight against gerrymandering and for fair election maps. And now they are back in the news with an important analysis of the Kentucky legislature's opaque opaque and anti-transparent processes that they use to keep constituents in the dark about how they are doing the people's business. Okay, so entitled, how can they do that? We are so very excited to discuss their findings and recommendations with Miss Janie Lindell, a volunteer leader with the League of Women Voters of Kentucky. So welcome, Janie, here to the Kernels of Truth. Uh, I've been waiting for you all night. You know, I had, you know, I just had to do what I had to do, girl. Okay. Well, I'm excited to be here, and I think this follows on well with what Colonel Willie just was talking about in terms of issues of transparency and the fact that um, as a nonpartisan group, we may be a little more aware of the diversity within the groups, even when you have a supermajority. So I, I think that's the temptation with any time you start grouping people is there often are people on the margins <laughs> Uh, that are uh, probably as uh, close to the people in the other group as they can possibly get. So uh, one of the things that the League operates on for over 100 years is that decisions shouldn't be made without the voices of the citizens involved. I mean, that was the whole point of um, the formation of the League. And um, we continue to focus on educating, advocating, and uh, encouraging people to participate in their government because this is about them and the decision shouldn't be made without them. However, we were getting kind of a sense that that principle was getting uh, run over and we had a few little signals um, from uh, what was once called the sewer bill And um, then, of course, what happened in this last legislative session and, um, you know, more than a sense, we figured we'd better just check the record and see if there really was uh, something going on that we just sensed but couldn't really articulate. So um, one of the things that we really were concerned about was the pace at which these things were moving. Uh, And it wasn't unusual to see over the last several years that people didn't have uh, an hour and a half to read uh, a 200-page bill. Um, The sewer bill is a great example of something that went from nine pages to 191, and that 191 pages wasn't stable the entire conversation about it. 
it changed twice. So um, we decided to do a little research using the evidence from the LRC's online database that uh, it includes every bill that passes uh, in the legislative record. And uh, they have it back, I think, till the 1940s in paper form, but the online version starts in 1998, which is a great span of exactly a quarter of a century from 2023. Of course, there's a lot to look at, so we selected seven regular sessions to look at, not the interims and not the uh, short sessions, but the regular sessions, the 60-day sections. And we also selected seven of them. Um, they were 1998, uh, 2022. It's funny, I've written this down so many times, and now I'm having trouble finding the list. Um, and um, it went through 2022. We found that the anomalies that we were looking at were tricks that we saw in um, the sewer bill and in SB 150. And these anomalies can um, show up as um, four different things. One is the bills are proposed and filed and then um, they just sit in a committee called Committees of Committees or the uh, Leadership Committee, depending on which um, chamber you're talking about. And they may not be assigned to a standing committee to look at. Or they could be assigned to the standing committee. And the process is supposed to be that the standing committee makes a decision. Then it goes to one of the chambers of which it's, you know, it's sort of the House or the Senate just like this. And what you can do when you're, as a citizen, able to testify to the committee, you can contact them and, and uh, talk to them. But then it's supposed to go to the chamber and have three separate readings before there's a vote and it gets sent to the other chamber. What we're finding is it's not going to a committee. It might get a first and second reading before the committee ever gets it or ever meets, which means there's no need for two more readings on the floor. There's barely any chances for any amendments because those readings haven't been done on the floor. And your third reading is a floor vote within maybe 24 hours or even just six uh, in the afternoon. And that means you don't have time to testify to the committee because you never know if the bill is going to be assigned to a committee. You can't contact your uh, uh, representatives and senators because you really can't figure out uh, what it is that they're going to vote about. And so finding these uh, concerns led us to really realize that um, the process had been shifted to be very expedient, but to also exclude conversations and deliberations, which is what's supposed to happen in the development of these decisions that affect people's lives. Uh, we got a couple of questions for you. Great. Um, Willie, uh, you're up. Um, thanks. So, you know, when I think about what I've seen, just specifically as a teacher, um, the legislative session it, it's the thing that draws us closer to closest to our democracy because we dreaded it every <laughs> year for the last 10 years. Um, we all gained weight. We all lost sleep. Uh, we would spend every waking moment sort of tracking it. And I think what was for, something that I think about that I would like to hear your comment on is this idea that it actually makes us dislike the person across the aisle because often when I say this bill does this, this person across the aisle says to me, no, it doesn't. Um, and I find that we were arguing, uh, you know, and, and the, the basic precept of argument is you have to have the same evidence, but we don't have the same evidence because right. we're imagining different bills. That's one thing. And I also think about um, whether we're talking about Senate bill, uh, House Bill 9, whether we're talking about House Bill 151, uh, the sewage bill, or whether we're talking about Senate Bill 150 last year, in education specifically, something that affects so many 
Kentuckians. I feel like this process is used particularly viciously, if that's not too strong a word. Um, you've already sort of suggested that it's becoming more relevant. How can we as citizens um, do more to slow this process down, to mitigate this process, to shine light to the fact that it's happening? Well, we, we do have um, five recommendations for citizens. And I, I do think that our uh, vice president of the league at our press conference, when we released the information, um, lined out probably the, the best um, notion about why we need to slow it down. When we elect our representatives and our senators to do this work, everyone has a job or maybe three or four jobs in this economy. And we don't have time to take on another job watching what they do. So um, it's important that we do watch them and pay attention. But the way to find out about these things are getting less and less um, available our first suggestion is always to monitor the legislative sessions, but in a bill in 2022, House Bill 10, they took away the pre-filed uh, website at LRC. And now you really do need like a third or fourth job in order to find what the pending legislation might be. You have to really dig a hole in the website, go to all the interim committees, look through all of their meeting minutes, and see if you can identify the bills that they may be filing, you at least can identify some minutes about conversations about what the issues are. So the second thing that we also recommend is that um, direct contact with your legislator to really get more information from them about what they're planning to do. Now, some of them are taking this opportunity to use their social media, uh, media um, but it also requires that we fire back at them. You know, when they make a statement, they shouldn't be just shouting into a hole. We should absolutely respond and say, you're going too fast on this. Have you talked to this, that, or the other interested parties or people who actually have, you know, a, a reason to share expertise on what's going on? Um, and uh, then in if you do invite them to a committee meeting, don't tell them they have five minutes and give them only one. And on top of them, don't tell them that it's going to be this bill when, in fact, when you get there, it's a completely different bill. And they won't let you talk about what you'd prepared to talk about. So they're, you know, you're nodding your head. So I, I know I'm yes. speaking to events that lots of people have seen and has happened to league members as well as other citizens and interest groups that, that go to the legislature. So we also strongly support coalitions um, of people that have common interests to, uh, again, pressure our legislators to be more transparent about what they're doing and to slow down because it matters, not to slow down just to take time. Um, and then um, what you see happens, and this is something we tried to emphasize in our press conference. When you exclude people from the deliberative process, what's left? There's nothing left except visible protest, um, strong statements, and direct appeals to the rest of the public and the media. So our first three strategies are, you know, basically going to the legislature, giving legislators a chance to participate with us. But then that fourth strategy is is not out of the question. And of course, then there's the fifth strategy, which is vote the fellows out. You know, if they can't if they can't do their jobs, which includes listening to us, then we don't need to vote for them anymore. You're I, I love your point about social media. I remember the night that uh, City Bill 150 went through um, subcommittee. It was 11 o'clock at night and we we were teaming up and badgering journalists who were there saying, hey, can you show us what it is? And one of them wrote me back and said, you'll see it when you see it. And I think we got it at midnight and they voted right. at eight o'clock the next morning. Right. Um, how are we supposed to participate? And exactly. it's at least I, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. Um, and well, I, looks, just, I just need to say for accuracy in this podcast, it's not just a feeling we got after we saw all the maneuvers 
for 25 years. The other important thing that we generated was a trend line. Hmm. In 1998, this only happened about 3% of the time. But look at how it spikes in the 2010s. And particularly in the 2022 session, we end up with a quarter uh, a percent of the time and almost a third of the time in the two different houses. Well, that's an upward trend. Now, somebody says often, well, sometimes you need to go fast. And I would say that, you know, for the hurricane, uh, I mean, for the tornado and the flood legislation, absolutely, you would need to go fast. But even back in 98, that would still only represent about three to five percent of the time, not 24 and 33 percent of the time. Yeah, that's that's outstanding change um, from three to over 40 percent. Just so well, that's really exactly. It really is. I know that uh, Doug has a question. We want to get Doug on in here. I, I don't really have a question. I, I just want to make some comments. It, it's obvious that they are wanting to not allow the public to be involved because they don't want to hear what the public has to say. They have an agenda and their agenda is they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, Willie mentioned SB 150. I spent a lot of time up there in uh, conference rooms and committee. That's a nice picture there. Uh, committee hearings and that kind of thing. And then for them to just rush everything through and make changes and uh, even to have the specter of a uh, Republican senator who is very conservative to be able to take a stand and vote against that bill. I mean, that was amazing. That should tell people a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, we just need more participation from the public and hopefully we can share we'll share your report out and hopefully uh, more people can get involved and contact their legislators and make sure those kind of things go away i, I really hope that that people do feel empowered by this i know that in the hallways when it would be mentioned certain people would say well it's always been that way and it's not i mean that that trend line really shows no it's not always been that way um what it shows is there has been a creep on this happening and because it's sort of a slow boil uh i do think that people are a little uh a little unaware of how much it increased but this rate is enough now that I think everyone should be complaining about it. Um, and, and that's the whole purpose of the league is to really throw out some alerts about the fact that citizens are being prevented from participating in their own government. I would also like to point out, except for your the background on this slide, um, we consider that this report's in purple, but it sure looks like a deep red on this. <laughs> <laughs> it looks purple you know, on my screen. <laughs> you know, uh, the one thing, it's called, how can they do that? Yes. How can they do that? Well, that's a great question because they get to set their own rules. And that's like the first flag that we need to watch for on January 2nd and 3rd is because now that we put the report out, did we put out a report that tells them what they need to change to keep doing it? <laughs> so I, I really think that what we need to do is, is um, really watch to see that they're uh, enacting rules not in a way that's more restrictive than the fact they've been suspending the rules that weren't restrictive. So if they could adopt the same rules they've always adopted, then the next thing we'd have to do is just make sure they don't keep having votes to suspend the rules. And they do. And that's what's interesting about going into this legislative record. Um, I was looking at a couple of the bills in preparation for uh, tonight. And it's interesting to just pull up the vote record because the vote before they do some of these things is to suspend the rules. 
And it's very interesting. The vote on the bill may look like everybody's on the same page, but the vote to suspend the rules actually shows where the split is. Mm -hmm. And you can see the number of people who either voted against suspending it or the number of people, as well as their names, who um, abstain from voting on it. And then you realize that the suspension of the rules is really a very small group. Mm. Enough of a vote, because they are counting heads, that they can get a rule suspended. But there's enough of the others in the nays and the abstentions to show that it is not a universal um, railroad to to victory it it it's just that there aren't enough bumps in it because they got away with us not watching them very carefully we just had this feeling and then you know how people like to normalize things that aren't normal we kept being told well we've always done this <laughs> it's that slow boil right yeah it's a slow boil yep <laughs> So, yeah, I just I hope we can empower people to speak up. And it does sound like um, we're gratified by the reception because it does sound like there are people who are really, really now more confident about what they thought was going on because now we've got the evidence. This is I will be sharing this out in every group I'm in. And I'm so excited for us to be able to show that we're not crazy, that this is something new. Uh, in our process and that we all deserve better, including the people we're electing. Yes. And as a league, we're also, we're just a state league, but we're also concerned that national league start taking a look around because as we all know, uh, state legislators often mimic each other. And uh, we're kind of wondering if there's some of this going on in some of the other states. So um we definitely want to encourage all of our connections, not just in the state, but outside the state to kind of take a look at what's happening to you locally. What 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 kind of um, um, variations in the rules are there that just make it harder and harder for a citizen to get themselves heard? Exactly. Janie, we have really appreciated you being mm -hmm. here with us tonight. Um, I have been waiting for uh, to understand about the report. And when I saw the name of it, how can they do that? I'm like, yeah, how can they do that? And they need to stop it. Okay, yeah, so. right, right. That is actually the answer we came to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are so, so happy that you had time out of your evening uh, to talk to us, explain to us, and you are an excellent guest, and I'm sure that you'll be back on here again. Okay? Oh, I imagine so. I, I I was in that green room, and you know, like other green rooms, it, it has its levels of comfort, but I hope this entertains you. I, I crocheted a snowflake while I was <laughs> Oh, that is so cute. That is. So, isn't that oh, wow. Cute? And say I'm a little flaky, but uh, I I got I was productive while I was in the green room. <laughs> okay, Janie, I'm gonna send an order down there for you. You can do all of it. Oh, you you know Santa's workshop's really busy this time of year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we really appreciate you being with us, and we hope to see you really soon. And the question is going to be, until something changes, how can they do that? Read exactly. the report, ladies and gentlemen. Read the report. Read it for yourself. And know that it's all about transparency and citizens' participation in Kentucky's legislative process. They work for us. And it's time that they understand that they work for us and we're going to continue to ask the questions how can they do that um ladies and gentlemen i tell you what uh mr excuse me colonel willie carver i think you want to be like colonel pam you put this colonel on there i want to be like colonel pam in all ways <laughs> you you know what you won't go wrong you will not go wrong um emulating Colonel Pam. You will not go wrong. Believe that. Can you uh, do our call to action? Sure. 
Listen, y'all, you need to urge your state legislature to embrace transparency recommendations from this league's report. Make a call tomorrow. You know the drill. You've done this before. Call the friendliest operators in our Commonwealth and leave a message for your lawmaker at the legislative comment line. That's 1-800-372-7181. And we're putting that in the comments Tell them uh, that the League of Women Voters sent you. Tell them that Josh Calloway sent you if you want. Tell them Willie Carver sent you. I don't care. But make sure that you suggest that we follow these rules to have accountability by, one, scheduling three bill ratings after committee hearings so that we can all know what's happening. Two, make committee substitution bills available online at least one day before the meeting itself. Three, allow one day between final committee action on bills and the House or Senate floor vote on these bills. And four, have at least one day between free conference committee revisions and House Senate floor votes. We're not asking for weeks. We're not asking for months. We're asking for literally less than three days, which is how long it took the Lord Jesus to come back after he died. So uh, I think the legislature can at least let us read in that amount of time. That's 1-800-372-7181. Call them and read more uh, at the link below. Thank you. Uh, once again, the number is 1-800-372-7181. And Willie, did you say two days or three days till he got up? Um, there's different pieces, but some of those were one day and some of those were three days. Okay. So, you know what? I'm going to do it. I challenge everyone else to do it as well. How about you, Doug, uh, Colonel Willie over there and our great Nate Orshan, and we'll get Aaron in on the deal because you know he's already done it. So uh, I'm going to close us out. We had an excellent guest tonight from the League of Women Voters uh, for the state of Kentucky, the volunteer lead, uh, Miss Janie Little. And <clears throat> it was about Lindell, Lindell, Lindell. It was about how can they do that? You have a say in how things go in your government. You have a say. And um, I just think that it's wonderful and great that we do have those freedoms here in the great America. So uh, just for the disclaimer, uh, Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State and organizes a 501c4. We are affiliated with the Indivisible Project, the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, known as CAVE, and we are also proud members of the Forward Kentucky Network. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. So from transparency, transparency to transparenting, next week we'll be joined by a couple of parent leaders of the organization Transparent Lexington. They are proud parents of trans kids standing up for the fair treatment for their children, whether at school or at the legislature. We're really looking forward to that conversation. We hope that you'll join us. And also the production of this episode 141 was by the amazing and multi-talented Nate Orshan, who also wrote and performed our theme songs. Nate, you need to take that picture off the screen. Lord have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> you can find out more about his music on natosongs.com. That's N-A-T-O songs. Dot com. And if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook or YouTube, audio podcast and our show notes are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and just about wherever you get your podcast. And so when you do listen to us, please, please, please leave us a five-star review. You know, it helps the algorithms and helps us to get the information to more people. And uh, logo and some graphic content was provided by Couchfire Media. More information can be found at couchfiremedia.com. You know what the deal is. I don't even have to say it. You know it's hump day. You know what to do. It'll make you feel great. And otherwise, we will see you the same time same channel next week and enjoy the rest of your week.